All right, so there we were on site at the Habitat Build, about to begin work. As vicar at Luther Memorial Church in Chicago, I accompanied a group of our members on the build that day. While I have absolutely no skills with a hammer or anything, I can hold stuff and uh, supervise. So I, I was out there to help to, to help uh, accompany a group of members. And so at the beginning of the day, the beginning, we begin with prayer. Project leader asked for someone to open with prayer. Exactly, yes. Within two seconds, every eye was on me. You're the professional religious person. Go ahead, Pat, uh, vicar. Nothing in my ministry creates as much anxiety and guilt as prayer. While I've known a few people who enjoy leading public prayer, there are some I think would rather run a mile through the snow barefoot <laughs> than lead prayer in public. Because why? Why are, why are we sometimes so terrified of it? Because we're afraid of sounding stupid, aren't we? We're afraid of sounding we're afraid of sound, sounding silly in front of people. Um, and anxiety and guilt don't just stop at public prayer, though. Many find a private prayer difficult. That little judgy voice can, can be in your head. Um, God isn't listening. Um, God already knows everything, so why bother praying? That little judgy voice can start up. What's the point? What's the point of prayer? The point is that despite God's knowledge of all of our needs and desires, even though God knows everything, God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray, no matter how silly we might feel. In fact, God commands us to pray several times in several places in the Bible, beginning with the second commandment. You shall not misuse God's name. As Luther writes in his large catechism, and you can bet that when I, we're going through the small catechism, I'm looking to the large to try and flesh out these pieces of the small catechism that we have. The large catechism, this commandment reminds us that we are, quote, required to praise the holy name and to pray or call upon it in every need. For calling upon God's name is nothing else than praying. Also, in Psalm 50, God commands, Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. Even in Matthew chapter 7, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. Whether to pray or not is not a choice that God leaves to us. God doesn't give us the option of whether or not to pray. God commands us to pray. Pray whether you feel like it or not. Pray when everything seems right with the world and you don't think you need anything else from God. Pray when everything has fallen apart. Pray when you are wondering whether God listens or cares. Pray when you're hurting. Pray when you're angry. Pray when you're sad. Pray when you are in despair. Pray when you feel like, as it's felt like for me lately, like you're in a never-ending series of gray days that meld one into another like a boring version of Groundhog Day. Pray when you doubt God's will is truly good or gracious. Pray no matter how you're feeling or what that voice in your head, that voice of doubt and fear 
says. Whatever situation of life we find ourselves in, God commands us to pray, to keep listening and talking to God. Keep the communication lines open. But God doesn't just command. There are promises attached to those commands, too. I don't know if you noticed it, but on those two scriptures that I quoted, there were promises attached. In the Psalms, the command is, Call on me in the time of trouble. The promise is, And I will deliver you. In Matthew's Gospel, the command is, Ask. And the promise is, It will be given to you. The command is seek, and the promise is, and you shall find. God wants us to bring our every need and concern to God, just as a child asks her parent for everything she needs. As a new dad, Luther's words in the small catechism strike me in a way they didn't before. Luther writes, with these words, God wants to entice us so that we come to believe he is truly our father and we are truly his children. In order that we may ask him boldly and with complete confidence, just as loving children ask their loving father. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be just the father here. In our household, Abigail's way to ask for what she needs, and I'm sorry, this is the first instance of whatever you do in the pastor's house is fair game for a sermon. (laughs) Sorry, kid. When Abigail asks for something she needs, she goes, ma, 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 ma. So, ma, ma is is the short word for I need something, or I want more. Thank you. On cue, exactly. That was perfect. But it strikes a point home for me. A child's first impression of God, our first impression of God when we're very young, usually comes through our parents. It usually, it, it, our first experience of God usually comes through our relationship with our parents. How I act is going to influence my child's relationship to God for good and for ill. Both. For some of us, the parenting metaphor is more difficult. Especially, you know, if your parents, if your relationship with your parents was difficult or abusive. A better model for you in that case might be the first trustworthy adult. The first trustworthy adult you knew as a child. But in any case, God is both like and unlike our earthly parents. Parents may be wise and good and generous, but they are also imperfect and limited. God, by contrast, is infinitely wise and infinitely good. That also means that God's good and gracious will goes far beyond what human beings can grasp, what we can understand. So here in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus invites us to stand in his place as daughters and sons of God. Jesus invites us to see that despite the limitations of our earthly parents, Jesus is infinitely loving, infinitely wise. He is our infinitely loving, infinitely wise divine parent. 
we are given the, the privilege of addressing the God of all creation, the God of all that exists, on intimate, familiar terms, just as Jesus addressed his Father. Jesus' word for Father, of course, is Abba. Now, you might have heard it said that that means Daddy in Aramaic. It's not quite as informal as that, but it's close. It's like Dad. It's like Dad. It is, it's an intimate address for one's Father. So today, as we begin our series on the Lord's Prayer, as we begin our, our dive into what this prayer means, we remember a couple things. In response to all of our anxieties, our guilt, that nagging negative voice in our head and our doubts about prayer, Jesus gives us the gift of a short, simple way to pray. This short prayer is not only a model for our own prayers, it also serves as a model for our relationship to God. In addition to this, we remember that Jesus gives us God's word, that God listens to us, that God hears us as our divine parent and will meet not just our basic needs, but the deepest needs of our souls. And we all know that we're in such a time that we need that assurance now more than ever. We need assurance that God is active in the world to establish God's kingdom and to bring God's will to completion, despite all the evil that we see. We need assurance that God does indeed care for us and listens to us as a loving parent listens to her child. We need assurance that God has not abandoned us in this ongoing COVID crisis. We need assurance that the words of Isaiah 49, 15 are true for us today. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget. Yet, I will not forget you. We need assurance that in Jesus Christ, God has given us full and complete access to God's self. And in this prayer, we receive that assurance. God comes to us first. God is the initiator of the relationship between us and God and commands us to pray. God attaches promises to those commands. And God continually works in, through, behind, around. How many more prepositions do I need? God works in our prayers to bring about God's good and gracious will in our lives and in the world. Even with Jesus, remember that with Jesus, the Father's will was difficult for him at Gethsemane. It was hard for him to grasp in his full humanity. However, Jesus knew that it was the way to bring enlightenment and healing for the whole creation. Even though his human will recoiled at the cross, who wouldn't, after all? His divine will was perfectly in tune with that of his Father. And that's what happens in this prayer. Our will becomes in tune with the divine will, with God's good and gracious will. We can trust that though our human will sometimes would not rather not pray due to feeling guilty or silly or maybe fearful, God's will is truly gracious and good. Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thanks be to God. Amen.